Bada. No, Dad. What about you? We bought a groovy baby. Whoa. A mic. Video games. Hey, everybody. Hello, and welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast back again, this time with Adello. Mm. Glug, 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 glug. Mm-hmm. How you boys doing tonight? Good On this one. Sweet November night. Mm-hmm celebrating the best of what we got in the world of pop culture before we get to pop culture i do have a thought on modello um or it's less thought on modello because i think modello is excellent i think that is the year 2020 many of us have been on the verge of death or at least have known somebody who has been affected by the coronavirus risking death to record a podcast i think it's time that we admit that corona beer tastes like ass I think that's time that we admit that Corona is the worst beer. If you have to add a lime for your beer to taste good, that's just a bad beer. Well, here's yeah. here's a big reason that I think it's bad is because, I mean, and this is not a revolutionary thought, but I'm Drew, by the way. The Oh, I'm, I'm Modelo drinking Hunter. And I'm Ernest. Uh, the reason that most beer bottles are tinted is because that doesn't that makes it so sunlight doesn't get in because if your beer goes to room temperature and then back to cold, it becomes skunked. And I've had so many Coronas that are skunked fully because of, of the this. clear glass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's just a fundamental design flaw where, like, the label isn't taking up that much space either. We're with, like, Modelo bottles it's not tinted but also the label is taking up most of the real estate there and the little uh, foil on the top look i just i so it's, it's usually skunked when i've had corona it's every bad. time that i go to my grandparents house they only ever have corona and bud and bud light or even um keystone ice <laughs> and i don't know they why sound chill yeah but yeah, they because they're mostly cool. corona drinkers and then we're like oh yeah we picked up some bud for other people i end up just having to drink a bunch of bud because i think that Corona is a bad beer, and I think that we should just admit it. Like it, it. I my fundamental thing: if you have to add something to just a basic drink to make it taste good, it is a bad drink. Mm. I think I think there's some leeway there in terms of like you know. I, also, it depends on the lime. You know, you could have a bad lime. I think Hunter just has bad limes, and you're not even gonna make it better at all. You're gonna maybe you might make it worse. Listen, my stance on citrus is well established. We, on this yeah, podcast, we so honestly, I, yeah, I we know. know how you feel about sour citrus. Why are we even <laughs> listening to this? All right, boys, we got a lot to get to today. We have a listener email from one of our fans. Um, we have lots of ketchup to get to. So, before we get to that, though, some news, big news. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 is coming to HBO Max on Christmas Day. Uh, this was expected-ish. It's still a big deal. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I I want to hear some thoughts. Like, how do we feel? I I I basically just want to talk about like how we feel like this decision is going to impact the overall landscape of movies because this is the biggest movie so far to do this i think this is bigger than mulan yeah mm-hmm. bigger it's, than soul it well yeah because and it's also not like a delay is the the thing like, like it's already been delayed yeah all the other like giant giant movies like this though have just like you know been postponed till like later next year mm-hmm. um and you know god knows if that'll be the final say on those um I think this is very good for HBO Max. I'll tell yeah. you that much. Uh, I had a free trial of it, and I loved the selection on there. It's really, really impressive. Um, but, you know, it, if it's not in the news, I might just forget about it. And I haven't yeah. had that trial for a while. And this reminded me and made I like I'm going to have to get HBO Max to watch this. Um, think of the podcasters, you know, yeah. we're all going to have to get it again. <laughs> I well, let me tell you, I've held on to my HBO Max because I uh, we were talking about this off mic beforehand, but at this point, like I go on Netflix just to like 
casually throw on like community or the office or jeopardy while i'm just like doing other shit but otherwise and of course to watch the queen's gambit which you'll hear in another episode but otherwise i go to hbo max and the criterion channel for everything but the problem is that hbo max had a horrendous rollout like i think that they get like a D minus for their rollout. Mm -hmm. Like it was so confusing because they already had just basic HBO. They had HBO. Now Mm -hmm. they had HBO go. Now, you know, you know what I always say about this thing is (laughs) I I wish HBO sometimes would actually stand for. How about one? Oh, very cool joke. Go search back in uh, Drew's Twitter. Follow my like, Twitter, guys. Four months ago, yeah, to and find also, that joke. also listen to this pod four months ago. <laughs> yeah. I said it. Don't then. worry, it it'll swing um, back around. I'll, we'll I'll get, say it again. Yeah. But the thing is that HBO, like, it hasn't really been a big secret that HBO Max has not been a big success since its launch. Yeah. They tried to it make a splashy on the move. metric that you want to measure. By. But I'm talking about comparatively to because HBO decided to launch the streaming service that's why they paid so much money for studio ghibli and for all these other classic movies to throw on their service is because they wanted to come out of the gates and say we are the next netflix yeah they wanted to be and, on par with those and, and they had just not i mean if you look at them comparatively to disney plus on the other hand which also came in with a huge back catalog they have been floundering right yeah. now like it has not been great for them that's one of the reasons why this got rumored for so long, because, of course, Warner is directly tied to HBO and to uh, just Turner Media as a whole. Like, that's all tied together into one. So it helps them for a business. It's not the same as if, like, Universal or Sony or something like that, something that doesn't have a premium service. I know that Peacock exists, but like that's Peacock. what even what even is Peacock at this point? Hey, they got, like they got Hitchcock on there. This is Hitchcock working, on the cock. This is working directly towards the bottom line of the same company. If it gets people to subscribe, it, that means that everybody will be tuning in. This is supposed to be the more adult version of what Disney is trying to do with launching Soul on Disney on a uh, Christmas day. It's a day. it's a huge get. Well, it's it's a, it's a four quadrant movie. It's right. not even like adult it's 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 the biggest blockbuster uh yet to do the streaming Ex- thing. Yeah, exactly. This is this is really big for them. Um especially because like I've said before on Pod, I the Snyder cut is not going to attract the audience they think it will. Mm-hmm. It just straight up will not. I mean, Wonder Woman made a shit ton more money than Justice League. Wonder Woman is a 200 million dollar budget yeah, movie. Yeah, and it wasn't bad. Right? Yeah. It's <laughs> it's, a, it's a good movie. I would say it's probably the best modern DC movie. Uh I'd say Shazam. Yeah, but both I, of them I right think up that both there. of them are like right kind of on par. But it is a, it's, it is interesting defender. news though for sure. My biggest question though, I guess the fact that they're also putting this out in theaters at the same time invalidates this. But is this considered a TV movie? No. <laughs> what? I are you thinking Why? of like Emmys consideration? Yeah, or something? Wonder Woman's gonna sweep the Emmys. Now. I don't know what. Well, Let me kill myself. I mean, award shows are kind of just throwing their hands up in the air. I'm kind of throwing my hands up in the air because I decided to go on an Oscar watching uh, trip like the year that movies died. So I don't know what I'm doing with myself, but we'll see I, this when it comes out. Merry Christmas! It's it'll be the same day as Soul um so those will be the two biggest ones will we see a third big 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 blockbuster also announced to go straight to streaming we'll see Mm -hmm. i will say on the bright side like this does kind of fill the void in my life because it is like a tradition for me like every christmas i go to the movies of course like pretty much every either on december 25th or on the 26th like right there around like that weekend or so i'm just always going to the movies it's one of my favorite times of the year to go because there's a lot of stuff that's up for like big awards contention or there's like a blockbuster last year it was little women i saw the day after christmas cats waited a little bit for that one actually surprisingly um but it's like every year like we have that and this year it'll be at home and it won't be quite the same but it'll be safer that's the thing is like you can't really go to a movie theater right now in most places and feel safe when i went to see tenet in the back of my head the whole time i was freaking out a little bit 
Yeah. You know, sitting there for two hours. I do think that I would take this more as a positive for HBO Max than I take on it being an indictment for movie theaters. Because the fact of the matter is the like big signature tentpole franchises are still just like, we'll just keep pushing our movie back until yeah. it can play in theaters and we can make $2 billion in theaters. How far will they push is the question. Uh, I think like if you're Fast and Furious 9, you're willing to push back as long to as it 2022. takes because that yeah. is a movie that will make $1.5 billion. And people like will be ready to to go hard when they're able to. Like once yeah. the, the light is green, yeah. it'll be like, let's fucking go. Try crack to, open the Corona. Try to keep Friend of the Pod Adam out of the theater <laughs> when Fast and Furious comes <laughs> Look, out. it doesn't matter if like case if it's just like in the air and if you just walk outside, you test positive. It doesn't matter if we're talking about like the contagion virus here where you just start like <laughs> foaming at the mouth and just die I mean, immediately. At, at this point, Adam the, will risk it for Fast 9. The Fast 9 fan family is going to cure the pandemic like that's going to be the plot of the movie they're gonna race against the virus <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna go they're gonna be like dom we have to shrink down to a molecular level and we have to help beat the virus i really i really <laughs> i hate to say it but i don't i think that that universe doesn't believe in coronavirus <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> <laughs> the villain is like Anthony Fauci. Yeah. Like, yeah, the villain like wants them to wear masks. <laughs> and then Fauci's like, I'll bet you a race that I can beat the heart before yeah. you. And Dom's and, like, and Vin I live life a quarter vein at the time. Yeah. And he like has like a dip and he keeps spitting everywhere. Um, so I'm seeing, Ernie, that we do have an email from Bry Guy, and I'm excited about this. Brian Adams, our sugar daddy. Um, Wait, before we read his pod. email, can we give a shout out to the edit that he did? Dude, for this. Our... <laughs> yeah. he, he made an ad for our merch campaign that we are now launching. And Brian, you are the realist of MVPs. It is we... one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> we in love my you life. so much. Yeah, it's oh. in contention for Best Picture at the Academy you, Awards. Yeah, so you can find this like retweeted on our Twitter, but you should really follow Bry at. Uh, at Brian Adams, Brian is B R Y A N. Yes, uh, Brian Adams E S U. I think that this is on par with like the commercials that David Fincher shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is like the Mike Halvins. Yeah, I, this is I, huge. I like. I had to. I was dumbstruck a little bit. I was like, <laughs> "What is happening?" And then it it finally started to click, and I I understood everything, and I I galaxy brained essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, well done, Brian. Yeah. So Brian writes in to webottomica.gmail.com. Uh, well, band guys, I've got some questions, uh, unrelated to current events entirely. So feel free to get to these whenever. Also, I finally watched Community after you guys' Pantheon episode, hey. and it couldn't have been a more enjoyable mm, watch. Good shit. 10 out of 10, even tracked down that episode with Dark Elf Chang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because it, it got it removed Netflix. from Netflix. Yeah. Oh my God! Freaking Ken Jong got Ken canceled. Jong got, did blackface. <laughs> totally, just it went over somebody's head at Netflix. Did not understand I, what was yeah. going on. And anyway, uh, John Oliver's haircut uh, dates that show more than anything else. That is literally yes. That is an incredible take. <laughs> And what he wears too. They never really nailed down what his deal is. It's like a sweater vest most of the time, right? He wears like baggier pants though than you want. Even in 2009, people weren't wearing these yeah. pants. It's crazier that current John Oliver looks way like more hot than whatever you is know, going on in community. I'm not going to co sign that. Yeah, do you think John Oliver looks hot? Wait a second. Yeah, he can. I think that you're kind of sucked into the you're this is like a better version of like the Cuomo sexual thing where it's just like <laughs> all, all these like soft liberals are like yeah. uh, literally he was actually the governor while a bunch of people died so that he's hot <laughs> like cool. He's done a horrible job with COVID. He, he yells, Come on. He yelled at me through the TV. So that I couldn't sleep at night. Cuomo, Cuomo, Cuomo is an enemy of the pod. He's done such a horrendous job with COVID, and yet he somehow become a, a liberal hero. Yeah, we truly hate that. We need to we need to move on from Cuomo. So Brian says he he has four things. Okay, so let's try to fly through them. Number one, what are some shows that would make it into each of you all's own personal TV show pantheon? Personal favorites that everyone in the group may not also 
watch okay. or just haven't seen yet. So, so, so sort of more like individual yes. pantheons. Um, what are, what are we defining as pantheon? Top five? Uh, pantheon, I would say, is a show that you could look at the entire run of the show and be really, really happy yeah. with the entire run and 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 be able to watch the entire um, thing well, loving it. I know you guys both love it all. We'll probably do a Pantheon episode eventually, but like my favorite show ever is Nathan for you. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna that's on I, the list. Yeah, like sure. I know I have it above you guys because I have it above everything and mm-hmm. everyone. It's my number one. Um, what do you guys have that like we wouldn't have? Well, Breaking Bad is one that I'm sure all of us. Would yeah, have. we all have because that's another one that's like that would be a more serious Pantheon episode because so far we've only done more light-hearted yeah. things um i think you're what you're underrating is the fact that we are way too similar yeah no well yeah, I know it's like one, we have, I have to think hard like, one oh. that i for sure have it is probably my favorite television show of all time is twin peaks which sure. i've talked extensively about twin peaks especially twin peaks the return that season from 2017 is i think hands down like miles better than any other season of television in history mm-hmm. like i think that that is just the most artful thing ever done um the office is one that i think that we have to have it doesn't it's a little it's, bloated it's not the most consistent show but i think yeah. the highs of that show like influenced me more than pretty much any that's other show. yeah that's very true i can't put it in my pantheon because they're literally like seasons that i just like hate to yeah, watch the last couple like of it's rough. yeah it's not like a, oh they're a little worse for me to me it's a lot a lot worse. oh it is it is but like, i'm just talking it's not about worth just, watching it, i would still put it in my pantheon yeah yeah f- top five top seven shows ever just because of how much it influenced me yeah that's sensible so i would probably go with something like the deuce Three seasons in and out, uh, just quality, quality shit. Mm-hmm. Um, love that, Mr. Robot. I would put up there. You're, yeah, you're big on Mr. Robot. Um, would Lost be in yours? Lost is another one of those that's a little bloated, but I would probably put it up there too. Um, when I when I met you, like yeah, you're big on that. Lost. Was like sixty percent of what you talked about. Yeah. Every group it's has amazing, to have a Lost guy. It's an amazing show. <laughs> I would love to revisit it. It's just that it was in the heyday of like network TV, so the seasons are like twenty plus yeah, episodes. Episode Way too seasons. much. Right. It would have benefited a lot from like oh, the HBO treatment of the like twelve episode season. What is becoming a pantheon show for me is Thirty Rock. Nice. That is. I've only I think, watched the first maybe two ish. That is one of the most consistently good uh, sitcoms ever written. It is like it's at such a high level that the it whole makes, thing. It, yeah, like every single episode has moment jokes that like you don't even laugh, you just gasp because they're so unbelievably brilliant and they just like whiff right by it. It's it's such a good show. I'd probably also uh quick shout out to um Aziz's Master of None, um. Noah Hawley's Legion, mm-hmm. um, even something like Halt and Catch Fire. I know that we all love. Yeah. I'd still stand by that. The Leftovers. Oh, that's a, yeah. That's leftovers is... Um. So, what what other questions does Brian have? Okay, next one. Oh, speak of the devil. Has Mister Robot Robot ever been discussed? I love the first season. Fell off during the second, and have only heard good stuff about the third and fourth curious if you guys have ever caught it yeah brian i'm a huge fan i've brought it up here and there but i'm the only one who's really gotten into it so we've never had a full-on discussion of it i love 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 the show i totally understand falling off during the second season because it's not as like super hot fire as that first one but if you stick with it three and four are incredibly rewarding it's some of the best stuff you'll see on tv sam esmiel is just mm. so creative with what he's willing to do with mm-hmm. these characters and with the camera and his storytelling style. It's just this vibe, this mood, this ambiance, this tension and suspense. Creepy, weird, out there show. Doesn't quite work all the time, but there's nothing else like it. Uh, his third thing is, do you think any of you will ever make the time to watch The New Mutants? probably not unless okay. i'm like i'll see when it shows up on like some a, streaming service exactly. i guess like i don't know um yeah the answer is if any of us do it won't be me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've, I've heard i've heard bad things i i'm not jumping it's, at that one it well it's not yeah it's not even if it's good or bad things it just seems inessential 
and uh that's that's what i kind of want out of my marvel at this <laughs> point like i don't you know what i mean like i don't need i don't want to watch it all anymore hey our girl though anya taylor joy atj she's, she's in it uh and then number four what do you guys think about brigsby bear with kyle mooney hey hold on Not, Bri- okay uh, let me brian i don't think he has access to the first episode of the show you got to look through our archives the f- yeah the first episode ever of the show is about brigsby bear brian listen to me my pantheon thing that no one else has is Kyle Mooney videos on YouTube. Yes. I, I'm not joking right now. This is like one of the most important pieces of pop culture I've ever absorbed in my life. I have watched everything that Kyle Mooney has ever done uh, multiple times. And that's not an exaggeration. He has his own individual YouTube channel, Good Neighbor Stuff Sketch Channel, which was important to me even in high school. Um, legendary shit. yeah he has like secret youtube channels that are just like for like little mm-hmm. characters he does Burner accounts. yeah that have like almost no views i'm into those um his snl work which you know uh has isn't as good as what he's done in the past but like within that framework he's still done some great shit i kyle mooney is one of he's a generational comedic talent and the movie's great. The movie's it, awesome. It didn't hit as much as like we were maybe hoping it would. Yeah. But I still love that it's, movie. It's though. still a fucking he, awesome I, movie. I think, and I don't want to say this, but I genuinely do think the past few years that Kyle might be kind of running out of juice. Um it he he doesn't look well and it just oh, no. it it seems like he kind of is running out of like energy he kyle used to, have you been doing okay since your sister killed herself it's just his his performances used to have this in like effervescence to them like he just fully inhabited these characters in a way that i've never seen especially on youtube he pioneered the genre of like front-facing twitter videos yeah. that like every person does now like meg stalter is incredible Alyssa limp paris like luke monez all these people are swimming in kyle's wake of course and he will never get the credit he deserves but I, uh, Brian, I love him. He gets yeah. the credit on this podcast. Yeah, he, damn it. He this sure is, I, I, I'm hoping that he's not out of juice. I think that he needs to leave SNL. Yeah. I think that's best for both parties at this point. Yeah. He just like, all this stuff just gets cut yeah. from time. He's I, been there he needs... for four going on five years. I can't like. believe that he's there for this long yeah. to be perfectly honest it's, it's with you. More than, yeah. It's like six. I, like, yeah, I think it's going to be six. Um, I think that Beck is just kind of, he seems like an SNL lifer. Like he seems like he's he really good there for at 10 it. years. He is a classic SNL guy. Cause he can play a straight guy mm. and he can also play like the dimwit or whatever else. Um, Maybe because uh, Dave is also probably just like in there. Yeah, now. that's an, that's another interesting thing about uh, Kyle that you may not know, Brian. This is just a podcast for Brian. <laughs> um, his director of Briggs Bear also directed every single Good Neighbor slash Kyle video ever on YouTube. Yeah. Um, Dave McCary. And, and he did a good job with the movie. Yeah. It's and, a well-directed yeah. movie. And he directs all the like pre-taped SNL sketches that Kyle does. Um, he directed Julio Torres's comedy special, My Favorite mm-hmm. Shapes. He he is um, marrying Emma Stone. Oh, why did you have to remind me of that? I know. Oh, we gotta end the show. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to wear his skin <laughs> one day. It's your dream person. Yeah, to be. just like, hanging out with Kyle. And yeah, your job is your job is Emma to Stone. like make Kyle be as funny as possible and fuck Emma Stone. And also on top of that, Emma Stone is like genuinely like one of the coolest people in on earth. Yeah. She's f- so funny. Oh, she should do a video with Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for um, writing in, Kyle. Or <laughs> got, Kyle, got Kyle on the mind. I am like thinking of more shows and stuff like that. Um specifically, I mean, you know, like we gotta give a shout out to like more of like the classic sketch comedies and stuff like that, like Who's Line. Oof. Yeah. Who's Line, very yeah. influential show. I know for me and Drew, because I used mine. to just watch that show all the time. One of the like, first my ad- family. adult shows I was allowed to watch as a kid, and it was only just because my parents loved it so much that they like couldn't turn it off. Yeah. yeah. Like it's so good. It's it a- might it's a show that necessarily hasn't aged the best. Yeah, uh, it's all on HBO Max. I was watching it the yeah, other day. That show rocks. Like, um I would say uh, up until the last two seasons, Game of Thrones would have been a Pantheon show. It, I would still say it is. You got to put it up there, man. Yeah. I, it it doesn't. You can't judge it just on the. End. I Yeah, it just kind of floundered so much. So it soured so many people's tastes on it. But I don't want that to diminish how great the show was it for was the most part. Fucking great. Freaks and geeks. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. If you're looking at just one and done's. Yeah. 
that single I mean, seasons. Even if I know it's not necessarily like the best show, but just talking like personally for me, a very important show to my life was Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Mm-hmm. You see, they just put out the reunion. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to watch it. You know, what is that? The la- is there yeah. one more? Uh, he so. just uh, first he... things first. Rest in peace, Uncle Phil. That's right. Yeah, for real. He uh, he closes us out with uh, last thing. Blood of Zeus was a great watch on Netflix. Uh, I got from it what I think a lot of people got from Castlevania. P.S. New intro music is a slapper. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for writing in. We bought a mic at gmail.com. Thanks for donating too. Um, so if you want to be like Brian, you can donate to us and we'll send you a little care package with our new merch, Mm -hmm. um, that we've now got. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know what blood of Zeus is. sounds like maybe it's one of those animated things. Yeah. It's an animated show. Check out Brigsby bear. It's a great movie. It's not a masterpiece, but it's a lot of fun. Let's get to catch up. Um, so I'm going to fly through. Uh, three quick things that I want to talk about. First of all, Mando on Disney Plus, the Mandalorian, our baby Yoda is eating some fish <laughs> eggs like a little scoundrel. This, I'll be I'll be back I, in a minute. <laughs> so I have not seen the latest episode. We're recording episode on a Thursday, three. so um, it. It, we get the, a new one tomorrow. Yeah, at this point, I just figured I'd wait until tomorrow, and then I'd just spend like an hour and a half catching up on the next two. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take one. Um, episode two, uh, I was talking about this. Uh, I don't remember who I was talking. I was talking about this with a, another one of my friends about how the show is now like, it's completely unafraid to show like its homages and everything episode two is just at a certain point it's just like oh they're just doing like alien but in the yeah. star wars universe and it looks great it's so well directed by peyton reed of mm-hmm. ant-man fame and of horror film fame so you can kind of tell really? why he yeah Whoa. before he ever made ant-man i'm gonna look up uh what the no, name of the film was did, that he did i don't think um, he did any horror stuff he did a bunch of like um i think he did like dance movies and stuff like that like step up or, or something. Who wrote? Somebody wrote the episode. Who has a background in? Uh, I think films. Favreau is is credited Favreau. with writing like every episode this season. I I'm sure oh, that really? won't be the every case. episode. Yeah, he that all right. You know, no, I'm mixing up Peyton Reed with a uh, a couple of the other because Marvel has a history of right. bringing in horror small horror film directors to take it on. Uh, Peyton Reed actually made the Bring It On movies. That's what it was. Bring It On, the first Bring It On, pretty good movie. Um, but yeah, I uh. I, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I think whenever uh, Mando, whenever the first episode, second season came out, I like what they're doing a lot. Like Dude, the, it's the just, episodic approach is great. Give me an adventure of the week. I keep it exactly. Easy. I just like. I think the show is just like really fun yeah. and like in a world that like is getting increasingly, increasingly tense. And it seems like we're going to talk about whenever we get to, I don't know what the ordering of these episodes, how you're going to listen to them, but with Queen's Gambit about how a thing that I appreciate about both these shows, despite them being drastically different, is that these aren't shows about like some tremendous amount of trauma or anything like that. A little bit There's easier nothing to watch. serious. They're just kind of like good, easy watches yeah. that you can just kind of throw on and just like have a good time. Which we need right now. Yes. And like, I think that that's the thing. <laughs> the like, world is too fucked. Why Mando, especially this season, I don't really, I don't know. I Maybe I need to go back and revisit the first season to see if the first season had the same vibe or if it's just kind of the it mental It took them a few episodes to that get in. their footing. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, that's pretty much every television episode, television show at this point. But I like, I like what they have going on. I it, like just seeing Baby Yoda, like, possibly just murdering the last of a few kinds, just hungry, trying to eat man. some alien they just they just got to feed them. If you just think about the food. ramifications of this, this is like a dying species that's about to go extinct. And it's like, oh, Yoda's so cute. He keeps eating their eggs. It's like he's committing like yeah. mass murder on the future just, of this alien Mando species. just got to just needs to give him some food and then he'll stop eating the fish eggs. And then with last week's episode, we got into the heavy lore, which I'm not the biggest fan of. 
Um, they did a good job at not like alienating the main audience that doesn't pay attention to the cartoons and the extended universe crap and all of that. I don't think that they are going to go all in full nerd mythology, but they're starting to tiptoe in that direction, which worries me a little bit. Cause I, I don't want to feel obligated to like do extended reading on the characters of the expanded star wars universe like i just want to chill i don't want to feel like i'm out of the loop when it starts to incorporate all of these mythos um but i i appreciate the ambition and i appreciate the the fact that they're they're at least trying to have some sort of acknowledgement of the larger universe i just hope that the show doesn't like give itself over completely to that I don't think it will, because I think that, I mean, Favreau, as much as we were all burnt out on him after The Lion King, and I was hard out on Favreau after that, I he has proven, aside from that one misstep, that he is very, I mean, even during The Lion King, he knows what audiences want. Despite the fact that I think Lion King, the 2019 version, is a pile of shit, it is one of the highest grossing movies in film history. Like that, he knows what people want, and he isn't going to make things too heavy-handed and go full nerd corner because that's not what people want. He'll sprinkle in Easter eggs that's fun for people who have followed Rebels and Clone Wars and all these other things, but he is a filmmaker who's not ever looking to alienate anybody. But the thing is, is now they're putting these things in the foreground of the story before season one, they were, they were definitely in the background and now they're appearing to be like the major narrative thread of what we're about to see. So as long as they do a good job at not making you feel out of the loop because you didn't watch the cartoons, we're good. We're good. I just I'm a little bit hesitant that I'm like, oh, shit, I don't want to have to fucking watch all this shit. But I, you know, I I turned on the last couple episodes of Clone Wars of the new season. So and watched a couple YouTube videos to kind of summarize it. So I'll at least do that. You know, that's yeah, not that big of a deal. I feel like Favreau knows enough to dumb stuff down. I'm not saying this is any kind of indictment on the show, because by all accounts, I've heard nothing but great things about Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, I've heard that those are actually really, really well-made shows. I've just never actually seen them and don't really particularly plan on going back to watch them, despite them all being available on Disney+. Plus. I think that they're going to find a way to kind of dumb down the basic storyline yeah, simplify and then it. it's kind of like you get out of this what you put into it you give can't us the just... broad stroke yeah exactly i'm fine with that yeah that's what i appreciate about what mando did the first couple episodes is that it's just like it's a fun show i said i compared the, after watching the first episode to the boys and it still reminds it's the pg version of the boys or the pg-13 yeah. version of the boys and like, that's cool. Like, that's what I'm looking for out of this show. And I'm fine with that. I'm excited to watch it every week. Fridays, I get so excited because I'm like new Mando and new great British bake off, baby. <laughs> it's a great fucking day. Um, So that's Mando. Next thing I watched is Austin Powers 1 and 2, both on HBO Max for the first time. Never seen him before. I had seen Goldmember, which is the third one, and I didn't really have the f- the fondness memory of it. I just remember it being a little bit too crude for my taste. So Lee was a a, a big big fan of the the OG uh, Austin Powers. So we we watched them both, and I had a good time. I had a good time. I I was hoping I would yes. I was hoping Thanks. I would like him more. Um. They're I mean, not. They're fucking stupid. They're so. Yeah, they're stupid. they're for kids. Like they're they're for like a little little boys. Oh, baby. But they're still very like obscene throughout. Oh yeah. There's okay. a lot of. It's like a, it's a humor. sleepover movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. that's what it is. Um, and they're not. That's not saying that they're bad at all. It's just no. Like I had a lot of fun. They skew young, even though they're super lewd. I um, I think that. The a lot of the the jokes and the humor are incredibly dated, 
Like uh, yeah, <laughs> there it's we're talking like ninety seven <laughs> and ninety nine, I believe, uh, for International Man of Mystery and Spy Who Shagged Me, and goddamn how much we have evolved in terms of misogyny mm-hmm. and you know like women's representation yeah. in media, and they they have sort of an out for it because it is in part a satire of how the bond movies treat women the 60s yeah yeah but yeah it's tough it's still it's a tough hang sometimes with these. yeah the the best thing about it though to me is obviously the music which you alluded to it's so fun there's like yeah there's multiple like dance sequences and it, it's it's punctuated by the costumes and the set design it's very very colorful um which i feel like we need more movies we we don't see movies like austin powers anymore that just kind of go all out with that kind of uh you know costuming and and set design and have it be so poppy and colorful but the best best thing is mike myers dual role <laughs> as austin powers and dr evil yeah like his Doctor Evil is incredible. Like, holy shit, it's so good. I I forget it's it's Mike Myers when I'm watching him. I I it, I have to remind myself that it's the same guy who's playing the other guy. Yeah, and the he's love so guru. good. Oh my god, can you believe it? And Shrek, <laughs> and little Dude, baby. Um, fat bastard was his trial balloon for Shrek. Mm-hmm. like it's, yeah no like literally it's literally like scottish big ogre man <laughs> i have been really interested because i've seen them on hbo max and i've been interested to rewatch these movies because i loved them when i was 12 but that kind of scares me for a lot of things if i loved it when i'm 12 i'm just like i don't know if I'm, uh, really like this might be ruined in yeah my brain. go in definitely a little bit apprehensive because i was i was a tiny tiny bit let down but it's still a lot of fun. Yeah. You could, you just have to... I'm not expecting high art from the fucking Austin Powers franchise. I mean, the bit with him walking around naked and the the kind of choreography of them moving around elements in the foreground to cover up his junk mm. as he's walking around, that is genius shit. <laughs> I, did have so a qu- I have a question. So the first time that you turned on Austin Powers, did you go, wait, is that the guy from Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> oh, the record producer. <laughs> Wait, is that the guy from Inglorious Bastards? Yeah. Transformative man. The last thing I'll say, and I said this on Letterbox, Alec Baldwin stole his Trump from Dr. Evil. Mm-hmm. It's literally like beat for beat with the lips and everything. I mean, he definitely didn't get any it. of it from Trump. It's not an impression of Trump. The I'll mannerisms are all Dr. Evil. Yeah. Like, it is uncanny. He just ripped off. Really fresh. I, fresh look, job, Alec. Here's the thing. I think that uh, Joe Biden winning, I think that no longer having to watch uh, uh, Baldwin on SNL every single week might be the single greatest thing that Joe Biden will do in his yeah. entire presidency. And Kerry is going to, you know, he's not going to be uh, Biden for like four years or whatever. I. I know that like fans of SNL are campaigning for Alex Moffat. I don't know if that's actually going to happen because he's like never featured on that I show. I do love Alex, even though Moffitt he's awesome so much. But yeah, so um, who saw The Breakfast Club? I did. You've seen it before, yeah. Yes, but um, I didn't remember a lot of it. Like there are and certain this time it was se- different. You watched it in a new light, didn't you? L- there are certain scenes that I remembered very, very clearly. Um, obviously because they're just kind of absorbed into pop culture, mm-hmm. but. Now I uh, have seen the whole thing. I know what Hunter's I, looking yeah, for. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking this for This is something. an episode of Whoop! Crack and Cry. Yeah, there we go. That's what I was getting excited for. That's what I thought it was. I brought, uh, cracked open that crate, bought it on that 50% discount. Mm. Um, looked beautiful, pristine. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the movie's fucking great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, written and directed by John Hughes. Man, the guy, the run that he fucking had was just like inconceivable. Yeah. Because he also just made a type of movie that isn't made anymore. Um, And this is like the peak type of movie that isn't made anymore. This movie is a bottle episode of a movie. Yeah. 
Like exactly. it's, it's it's fucking nuts. They're all just in detention, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just it's, talking about their lives. It's very theatrical. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's like a play. Yep, it really, really is. 1985. It's it's a classic. I mean, this is one of those movies that's, that's just like kind of absorbed by by pop yeah. culture at large. And I wish that fucking movies like this could still be like that. But uh, nowadays, this script would have to be made for like two million dollars right. because it could be made for two million. Right. It's just back then you gave John Hughes a lot of money because he was John Hughes. The cast is phenomenal. Every yeah. performance is great. Uh, there are certain things that aren't like super realistic yeah but it's not like it's not like something like book smart where it's like super zany no and, and out there and and kind of removed from reality it's still realistic even though like you don't necessarily buy that this would that this is something that like could actually happen maybe 1985 was a different time it's just it's so melodramatic yeah Mm -hmm. it's so over the top with the drama and i i mean this is one of my favorite movies like i fucking love this movie it's crazy it it surprised me that it has a low ish average on letterbox it it only has a 3.6 average that's that's disgusting that's stupid why (laughs) i mean it makes sense because it is you know it's a period piece at this point and i think people might overhype it you know, and they don't they think they don't that realize it's, like how simple of a story. Yeah, that's the thing really is it's is. it's so self-contained that like it is probably less entertaining than Ferris Bueller. Like I like Ferris Bueller right. more. But Breakfast Club is just a special movie. Like mm-hmm. there aren't many movies that truly rely on just a bunch of kids acting and acting one their asses Act, off. Yeah, acting like fucking crazy. So much acting by these extremely like actually young people. Like it's not like they're like they're all 10 years older than they're supposed to be. Most of them are like pretty fucking young. Um the only person that I think I could safely say is like too nuts is Judd Nelson. <laughs> Cuz <'Cause they, laughs> he's he's dialed up to like a million I, the whole fucking movie. I do I do think it is a good performance though. Mm-hmm. I know that it is a lot, but you need that kind of character in the cast to offset the other characters. He's just he's so crazy. Mm-hmm. And you need like a more sort of kind of um magnetized villain. Yeah. Because the the teacher, he's a buffoon. He's not <laughs> like a villainous force. He's yeah, he's like a Bueller style teacher. Yeah. Like he just is like bad. But but Bender, like you fear him in certain scenes. Yeah, well, because he's like very physically uh, intimidating. He's a fucking psychopath. Yeah, he's yeah, he's like yeah, he's like it's... hitting shit and like <laughs> slamming on your desk and like getting up in everyone's face. Yeah, he's go- like it's just funny how soon into the movie he's doing that. Like really early on, <laughs> he's just like he's like so oh what what triggers you you know like well, he <laughs> he does this he he's at every Saturday detention. So he must do this to every new group he comes of kids. Into every detention and is like a a uh, like a war general, <laughs> like getting up in there trying Fuck to trying up. to find what will destroy these humans. You know, I think that my, I think pretty easily my favorite part about this movie is Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, Dude, he's so good. He has some oh really standout scenes. He has that one scene where they're smoking weed, yeah. where you get a different side of yeah, him. He puts the sunglasses on, but it's still you can tell that that's that guy. Like. Mm. It's not like oh he just turned into a different different character just for this scene. Yeah, it's still it's still um, Brian mm-hmm. for sure, and yeah. that's the thing with this movie is that they do enough in the opening scene to set up all of these characters and all of these archetypes, and then it slowly unrolls throughout the the movie, mm-hmm. and it feels very natural. And you start to find out more and more about who these people are as they start to eat, find each other. Yeah. The, to get to know mm. each other. It's yeah, it's it's really a lovely movie, man. Yeah. It, it's it I, has a great message, but it's not like beating your shit over with the message right. because it has a lot of darkness to it. It's kind of like an exercise, but like done in the 
purse like in the best possible yeah. way. John Hughes was just like on I, fucking fire. I, man. I, we should just do like a future episode of the pod just devoted to John Hughes yeah, because his whole run that. is so good with the vacation yeah. movies, Home Alone, this weird science. They, um, I have a lot planes, of planes, trains, and automobiles, which honestly might be my favorite John Hughes movie. That's a great one. I, I have a lot of blind spots. Movie. I've never Ferris seen Bueller, um, Sixteen Candles. Oh, Sixteen mm. Candles, great. He wrote Home Alone, didn't direct. Yeah. Still, I it feels very John Hughesy. The honestly, the thing is that I kind of grew up with his movies at such a young age. I even have nostalgia for his '90s stuff with uh the live action 101 Dalmatians and Flubber. Mm, yeah, um, solid movies of their time. Of their time, he, just, he rules. He <laughs> don't was, know how well they. But, aged, and then but. like later in, he he actually I had always uh, when I was young assumed that he died like in the '90s. Because like he lost the juice, yeah. you know, and that's fine. That happens. And uh, speaking of that, actually, Hunter, you can you can save your rant for last because I know that you need to pop off. OK, but I, I want to talk about Basic Instinct because uh, I it's a Verhoeven movie. I talked about Total Recall last week. Um, It was my first Verhoeven movie. This is my second. Uh, I love this. It's on Netflix. It's it's really, really watchable. It's from 1992. The it's, first sexy movie. It's like the only sexy, like <laughs> I, it's not comparable to anything past or present in terms of you've how... only been able to climax now since you've seen this movie while thinking about Sharon Stone. Just in the, this movie. the amount of sex in this movie that is baked into like the plot of this movie. It's like a soft porno. It is literally <laughs> like I'm not joking. It's really, really nuts. Um, but it's also like a neo-noir script like it, you know, Sharon Stone is the femme fatale of it. And she it's it's more sexual than those movies. And also she is she I'm not going to say she's like a extremely well fleshed out, like three dimensional character, but she has so much more agency than your average femme fatale in like an old noir. Um, and you're even like your average woman in a, a movie today because they're all still written by men. Um, she is. This is like one of the most singular performances I've ever seen in my life because she is uh, her character has to be so intoxicating and so hot that you would unquestionably like ruin your life for her. And I can't really name anyone else who could do it like this. Like it's it's like the hottest anyone has ever been. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, and it's yeah, it, like the the hype of it is real. Like she is just like on fucking fire in this movie. Her her attitude, her demeanor, her acting is fucking off the charts. Um, and then on top of that, she's just like you know she's fucking gorgeous. Uh, Michael Douglas is really interesting to me in this movie and just kind of at large because he he obviously like he, you know he's a producer. Like he he's produced so many like huge movies and a lot, you know, most of the movies he's been in, he's been a producer on. He produced like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. He won an Oscar. For yeah. It. Because like, you know, his dad is Kirk Douglas. He's had Wade in Hollywood since he was That's right, in his twenties. Yeah. He's been doing shit. Um, I don't even really think he's a very good actor, to be honest with you. Oh, man. Have you ever seen um, uh, Fatal Attraction? Um, he is un him and Glenn Close in that movie is just so like did, it, did he do a lot of erotic movies? Well, I yeah. mean, the thing is, what from that up? stretch from like 87 to 92, 94 ish or so, he was like the hottest actor. Yeah, he was like Wall your, Street came out like he was Gordon he was Gecko. A, yeah, he, was, he like, was your flawed leading man. Exactly. Your I guess leading I, man with with a tragic flaw. I guess I got to check out the Kaminsky method. <laughs> <laughs> he just. In this movie, like, he is definitely doing, like, he's not as good as Sharon Stone is in this movie at acting. Like, straight up. Um, there, are a lot, there are a lot of unintentionally funny moments with him. At large, in the movie, there's a lot of unintentionally funny moments. Um, and a lot of it is because of Verhoeven's direction. Paul Verhoeven is so fucking horny. <laughs> Like all the time. I mean, you kind of get hits of that in Total Recall. You get it, like, yeah, you get it in all this shit. Honestly, it's kind of crazy that Total Recall is like her coming out party because, and for Paul Verhoeven, it was like Sharon Stone was just like kind of a nobody actress they had in there. And then he was like, oh, wait, she's in three scenes and she fucking owns this yeah. movie. I need to write a movie based around her. Oh, I was really surprised when I looked at her IMDb and I did the math and she was like over 30 when she got basic instinct. Like mm -hmm. she'd been around and I can't help but feel like even like like today, I just feel like she would just be everywhere. 
And she really didn't have like a huge peak. Like her peak was like massive because this movie was like, you know, unfathomably big, even though it was like fucking NC-17 or whatever. Like it was like strictly for adults. But like I think it was the fourth highest grossing movie of that year. And it was behind some fucking heaters. This was a huge movie year. Um, And she is crazy good. Um, And she has to be because so much of this hinges around her. Um, but yeah, I, this movie I think is better than total recall because a, obviously with a plot that is literally more (laughs) centered, like grounded, like on earth straight up, like it's going to have more of a human element, but also because of, I think the performances, it's a lot more, uh, you can connect with it a lot more emotionally than you can total recall. Um, and in that sense, Michael Douglas is good because he is a solid base. He is a guy. He's the guy that you're following around for most of the movie. Um, he's in, I would say, like 90 percent of the frames of the fucking movie, you know. So, it, yeah, he has to be solid. Um, but I the thing I loved about this movie is that it's the perfect combination where like it's good and it's well done. And it's like very uh, expertly crafted by Verhoeven and, and company. And it also is like stupid. Like the plot is, it has so it's many consequential. If you're there to see sexy people get it on, yeah, why do you care about and the it's plot? like 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 a lot of you know noir movies. It has like these crazy twists and turns, and it's supposed to keep you guessing. And uh, I watched it with uh, roommate of the pod Nate, and it actually did keep him guessing to the end. I just because like I'm you know broken brained, I was you know i'd kind of yeah there's only i mean there's only so many ways you exactly can go. Yeah. yeah so i even if you know how it's going to go though like you're entertained either way because the stupid stuff is fun and then the movie is fun like it's funny how insanely erotic it goes and how funny these sex scenes are because like they're all designed by paul verhoven so it's like his idea of what the best sex on earth is like. <laughs> and you're like, this guy's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just this guy a, definitely has a sex dungeon in his mansion it's just, somewhere. It's a really funny movie. It's it's so entertaining, even though it's like extremely flawed and dumb at times. I, I just had a really great time watching it. Quick box office game. Can you guess the spot where this ended up on the that domestic year? box Didn't office? Didn't you say four? I thought it was well. It, no, I think it was for worldwide though. I don't know about domestic. Uh oh, really? So it did. Damn, it did that well worldwide. It it ended up the, on number six. Yeah, because I remember there was a huge sequel that year that it wasn't going to be. Um, I think well, Home Alone Two Lost one, in New York was num- that year. Oh, wait, yep, wait, wait, wait. That was so, number four. Number one. I'm gonna guess. Uh, ninety two. It's pretty. What easy. was the big Disney movie? That was it. Aladdin. It's not a Disney movie. Oh, it's not Aladdin. Aladdin My guess is down at number eight. Is this Titanic? Oh, really? For no, domestic, Titanic where are we talking domestic or worldwide? Yeah, should do you want me to pull up worldwide? Um, who cares? I yeah. Um, um, wait, 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 hold on a second. This is, this is, this is fucked up. I was looking at the wrong list. Um, because it has it has calendar gross and then in year release. <laughs> um this is great podcasting. so aladdin is actually at number one for hey, in year go. release i figured for 217 million dollars between uh the years of little mermaid and all that stuff like disney kind of owned the box office and then number disney two home alone two number three batman returns batman returns yeah, yeah. then lethal weapon three a few good men <laughs> sister weapon Act. three jesus christ <laughs> this movie though made 352 million dollars worldwide there you go that's insane and, yeah and it's and, just it's like an erotic an yeah it's, a, it's an erotic thriller movie that's like very you know it's it's rooted in humanity it's not like about like some like outsized like worldly consequence thing and uh you know yeah I, it I, was it was fourth worldwide yep. i i wish we still had this type of thing because it, it was it's so fun it's so stupid um one final take on it is Everybody talks about the the pussy shot, obviously. Yeah. I, like that it's is got, it's what like just half a second. Yeah, it's half a second. She she first of all, what they don't tell you because she like you know she's getting interrogated by like a bunch of male cops and she like uncrosses her legs, like flashes for a second and then recrosses. And it it's good in the scene because like it's a power dynamic thing yeah. where she's like, hey, I own you, fucking guys. Um, they don't tell you that in the middle of that flash, you get a shot of Newman from Seinfeld because he's in this and he's like sweating his ass off and he's like, look, like staring straight at it. 
And they also what, what no one says about this movie Is that Sharon Stone is like n- Fully naked in like so much of this movie And all they think about is that pussy shot Because like it's we tantalizing. Have, we have these extremely bizarre uh, standards for what women can show. Yeah. yeah. It's like you're seeing her tits in her ass in the whole movie. <laughs> and all anyone talks about is the pussy. It's yeah. so weird because it's a quarter second. And it's not even like hot. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it just it, it it's confounding because I don't know. It's it's the parameters of what that scene. Should I feel be, like that right? was. Do you think that that single shot was what? put it to nc-17 because back in the 90s like you could show like boobs and an ass could be in a movie but like i feel like that might have been the thing that was like so risque it yeah it's probably also just that like the whole movie is a fuck movie well yeah that too but i know but i think it actually isn't like it's nc-7 i when i said that earlier i meant like in spirit i'm pretty sure it was actually just rated r which is nuts honestly the 80s and the 90s are wild because like at a certain point, like the ratings kind of threw their hands up in the air because they just didn't know what to do with movies anymore. Yeah. Well, so yeah. so Wikipedia says. Well, if I've been rated X, even that might have been pre NC seventeen. No, no. Wikipedia says that it actually was rated NC seventeen, oh. but before the release of the movie, the studio pressured Verhoeven to cut out thirty five seconds <laughs> to make it. Rated. So I believe, it's probably like a lingering I, shot, and then that well, one no, shot. it's not even. It's not that shot though. It's the fa- all of the sex scenes in this movie are so drawn out, mm-hmm. and uh, from what I've heard, uh, the director's cut, they're even more drawn out. Yeah, like, they they're later just, released a, and an and it's uncut. funny because they're already so drawn out that it's like funny. <laughs> but anyway, I, I I had a good time watching it. It's stupid, but I, it's it's a blast. I yeah, I definitely so Hunter, check it. It's on Netflix. You yeah, said? it's just oh, sitting okay. there, man. All right. Also, Netflix okay. is getting risque. They got a cuties. Oh, <laughs> we're not talking. About oh that. god. My, my... All right, look. So here's the thing. I've gotten really cynical the last like two uh-huh. the last week or so, and here's why. So last week. I feel like I was a much more innocent person. Joe Biden had just won the election. I was feeling really optimistic towards the future of the world. And then came the release of the PlayStation 5. And you're upset because they, you know, they made underpaid workers work like crazy days to like produce all these products, no, right, Hunter? So that, in the oh, middle of a global no, Oh, that's so not what you're mad about? My problem you're is... You're mad that you didn't get one? No, no, no. That's not even my problem. My problem is that Sony fucked the rollout of this console so goddamn hard especially when you compare it to microsoft and everything else like they are fumbling the ball at the one yard line like they are absolutely blowing this completely um so for those of you who don't know of course playstation 5 was released last week um and Sony announced ahead of time that it was just like, okay, we're going to have some limited consoles, but we're going to be having rollouts and stuff like that. And you will be able to get a console before the holiday season. Um, For people who have been trying to order this console, it has been a absolute nightmare. Um, I personally have been on (laughs) countless websites uh, trying to actually purchase this console. Uh, Sony direct just buying it straight from sony looked like the surest choice and they announced earlier today because their whole thing was like to prevent our site from crashing we're gonna put people in a queue in order of how people got in they then announced today that uh actually the queue is a lie (laughs) and no they said if you just join in on the queue what they do is they then randomize every person who's in the queue and then just put people in so it's actually not a queue by definition. A queue is a line. That's not what a line is. That's like if you're waiting in line to go somewhere and they're like, actually, you uh, 78th and 476th, you're up. And then uh, first and second, sorry, you guys are fucked. Um, they've been blowing this. Um, Target has been the quote unquote best out of all of these. Uh, they did their releases mostly on launch night. They kind of planned doing some of the releases at like three, four in the morning to prevent traffic from completely crashing their site. Um, Meanwhile, Walmart, on the other hand, has had multiple releases. Uh, Walmart has not 
taken any of the bots into consideration for this because let me tell you the bots have gone wild right now um <laughs> what have you done you've look, unleashed a nightmare look on ebay right now at the price of, at the price of a ps5 they're like going for like dollars no like fourteen hundred dollars for a 500 400 500 dollar console yeah. it's insane what people are doing people are like posting pictures online of like their 40 ps5s that they have just like that they're hoarding in their house and selling for triple the uh it's actually disgusting. market the retail price i mean this is what sneaker the sneaker market has been That's, like for okay. years and years so a lot of people have been talking about this about how like sony and playstation are capitalizing on the sneakerification of buying a product mm -hmm. they're trying to make it a limited thing what's stupid about this is that this is a game console and the whole point of it isn't to have limited quantities that like it's a lottery on whether or not you can actually purchase one every day the whole thing is that you get a console so then people keep buying games for this console and keep putting more money into this product they have constantly fumbled the ball here between Sony directly just not doing stuff. It would be so simple for them to just, I don't know, just like have people open up like a day, open up 24 hours and just say, just purchase it at this time. You might not get it for like a month or two because we're still manufacturing them, but you'll have a console. But instead what they're doing is they're opening up their sales for a matter of, Oh, I don't know, about three seconds every day at just various times. So constantly no refreshing your browser. They are just kind of surprise dropping them at any given point. They close almost in like just milliseconds and then that's it. You don't really get a chance mm. to get one. Um, the other side of things is companies like GameStop, uh, GameStop which is definitely going out of business um are only selling consoles if you buy a bundle which includes a variety of accessories that you will never lose and that you will never use in your life it's just like oh it comes with an extra controller five games a headset a little camera and it costs you eleven hundred dollars that's the other move that a lot of these companies are doing it's making me really uh bitter and resentful towards how sony is handling this i had a lot of respect for sony coming in i have been a playstation mm. boy all my life and so you're you're not gonna get one huh <laughs> i mean i'm gonna try and get one eventually but like i've kind of just stopped trying so hard because if they're just gonna treat it like sneakers like the sneakers market it's just not worth it like it's not worth my time and emotional energy to put into this i'm trying to like give you my money it shouldn't be this fucking difficult to just be like, here's $500 of my hard-earned cash. Please take my money. This It should not be this difficult. I am very out. I'm like, just fuck Sony for just the way that they have handled this, especially Jeez. fuck Walmart. Um, all these companies, they're just like, uh, we could put up like just the simplest of captchas to just prevent bots from buying all mm, these, but we just true. won't. It's so stupid. Because they, they get the money, right? If yeah, they're getting the money exactly. in their bank account. So it, they don't even care about the consumer. It's made me very bitter towards all this because I had lots of plans about playing a new special game on the PlayStation. On the PlayStation 5, to be exact. And uh, around last Friday, Saturday, I decided to just kind of say, fuck it. I just want to play as some Miles Morales in Spider-Man world. Looks great. I thought you were going to say Bug Snacks. I just want to play Bug Snacks. Bug Snacks! Um, now I'm still holding out for Bug Snacks. Bug Snacks will be the first game that I play on my PS5. A dual sense. In like six years when it, they're actually available. <laughs> PS6 um, comes out. Yeah. Um, so we don't talk a lot about video games, but I did want to talk to just say, uh, Sony, get your fucking act together. This is, this is a message to all the CEOs out there in the world. Like, I want you to Get your shit together, okay, Sony? Microsoft is wiping the fucking floor with you. It's Microsoft. Come on, man. Anyways, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, excuse me, Marvel's Spider-Man, colon, Miles Morales. Jesus Christ. Um, Come on. 
marketing team too. get your shit together. Um, came out, uh, as one of the launch titles for PS five, along with demon souls and bug snacks and bug snacks. Um, Oh, Oh, it's bug snacks. Um, bug snacks was also available on PC though. So it's not like a PlayStation exclusive game. Um, I will just say this game is fucking incredible. It's beautiful. Gorgeous. The only downside to it is that it is, and a lot of people have talked about this too. It's a very short game. Yeah. That's why I'm I'm, not like clamoring for it. I'm almost done with it. Yeah. I have played a lot and I'm a person, especially with the Spider-Man games, because the thing is that side missions and stuff like that are just fun. Like that's a game that I don't mind kind of maybe not hundred percenting, but like, getting just kind of going around doing all the side stuff doing all like the various enemy hideouts and stuff like that just because it's really fun and the game mechanics are great but it is very short so whether or not it's worth the price tag is kind of iffy i will say if you haven't played the original spider-man they're doing a bundle of spider-man miles morales and the ultimate edition of the original Spider-Man, which includes all the DLC and everything for, I think, $70, which is very much worth it because uh, the original Spider-Man is a very dense game. Like, there's a ton Dude, of stuff to do in that one. Fucking amazing game. I will say, just like in Miles Morales, aside from it being short, every little detail from the original Spider-Man is just better. Like, they just kind of perfected all the little bugs and stuff like that that would happen the mechanics of swinging have just gotten so much more smooth. You can kind of like build up your meters and stuff like that. You can swing around and then just do like kind of tricks in the air and stuff like do little flips and stuff while you're kind of flying around the city. It is just one of the most beautiful games ever. Not to mention that the story is just great. I mean, it is a story that I didn't really know from the Spider-Man universe. Uh, I, about uh one of miles friends and i don't want to spoil anything about the storyline because of course it was a complete surprise to me because i didn't know anything about the story but about his relationship i will say uh his uncle prowler is involved and kind of helps him on some of the missions and everything like that um it's a gorgeous game I do recommend it still despite the price tag just kind of know what you are getting into I'm going to wait for it to be on sale. Yeah, that's it's, fair. It's going they're going to cut down the price. That's fair. it will cut down on the price eventually. I really wish that I was playing this on PlayStation 5 because I've seen some of the clips of it, especially with the ray tracing and everything else like that that's on yeah. the game and it looks fucking gorgeous. Um here's hoping I can just somehow managed to get a PS5 before Cyberpunk comes out December 10th, but Oh, that's still coming out maybe who knows it's been delayed like what six times at yeah, this point I, I'm, I'm not holding out for that <laughs> who one. knows when it's coming but i i don't know man i'm i'm burnt out on sony but i'm glad that i at least have that and i still have my switch so that's all i have nintendo's never fucked up a rollout they're yeah they're daddy yeah uh thanks for tuning in thanks for listening thanks you brian for writing in you can always write in at we bought a mic at gmail.com and stay tuned. We're counting down the days for Mank. Uh, that should be coming when around. Even, when even does it come out? Do First we weekend of December. Yep. Okay. And more importantly, the week after that, the we're Oscar getting episode. the great big Oscar episode. Yeah. With categories and everything. I'm going to give out my own little little gold men to different. Uh, They're going to be walking things. around this table. Yeah. I can't wait to bring things. back the ghost of Marlon Brando to collect his trophy. Yeah, big congrats. He's going to also like he's going to refuse to come to this like he refused to come to the Academy Awards when he won Oscar <laughs> for Godfather. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the pod, share your thoughts with us. Uh, by following us on Twitter and all the socials, emailing us if you want. Please donate if you're able to. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, keep it cool, keep it chill. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.